is Monday, November 3rd, 2014, and this is Radio Wave. Thank you for joining us on tonight's broadcast of Radio Wave. Our host, a friend of Medjugorje, is in Medjugorje right now. And uh, this morning, the Caritas Pilgrimage Group had the privilege of being able to hear him speak about the second of the month message that Our Lady gave to yesterday uh, through Mariana on the day for non-believers. And so what we're going to do tonight is we're going to play an excerpt of the talk that he gave to the Caritas Pilgrims in Medjugorje. Uh, but first... We're going to hear Our Lady's message given to Mariana on the day for non-believers. Our Lady Queen of Peace of Medjugorje's November 2nd, 2014 message given on the day for non-believers through Mariana. Dear children, I am with you with the blessing of my Son, with you who love me and who strive to follow me. I also desire to be with you who do not accept me. To all of you, I am opening my heart full of love, and I am blessing you with my motherly hands. I am a mother who understands you. I lived your life and lived through your sufferings and joys. You who are living the pain Understand my pain and suffering because of those of my children who do not permit the light of my son to illuminate them, those of my children who are living in darkness. This is why I need you, you who have been illuminated by the light and have comprehended the truth. I am calling you to adore my son so that your soul may grow and reach true spirituality. My apostles, it is then that you will be able to help me. To help me means to pray for those who have not come to know the love of my Son. In praying for them, you are showing to my Son that you love him and follow him. My Son promised me that evil will never win, because you, the souls of the just, are here. You who strive to say your prayers with the heart, you who offer your pain and suffering to my Son, you who comprehend that life is only a blink, you who yearn for the kingdom of heaven, 
all of this makes you my apostles and leads you towards the victory of my heart. Therefore, my children, purify your hearts and adore my son. Thank you. And so there's a lot that Our Lady has said today. And a friend of Medjugorje addresses some of the key parts of this message to the Caritas Pilgrimage Group. And so this is a friend of Medjugorje in Medjugorje speaking to the Caritas Pilgrimage Group, November the 3rd, 2014. I thought these messages, there came up a point that Alea was speaking about the plan. We mentioned it the other day where Alea said, uh, about the plan that my sons have, I have she says, pray for the plan that God, the plans that God has. Pray for the plan that uh, Satan wants to thwart. Pray for the plan that Jesus and, my, my, and me want to have fulfilled. She spoke about this plan over and over and over. She never revealed that plan. And I was intrigued. I looked, and this was pre-January 25th, 1987. So I couldn't find anything where she really said, what is the plan? You might think now you see so many things. I have many plans, and you see how it's evolved. You might get advanced past that, but we didn't know what that was. And so it was an intrigue to me. And then January 25th, 87 comes up, and I just started searching really through it for this, like, probably two months before that. And then our lady gives a message, of course, January 25th, 1987. It said, Dear children, behold, as of today, start a new life today. As of today. And then she says, that she, God has chosen each one of you for a great plan. So that just got my attention. And then she, for the first time, said exactly what it was. A great plan for the salvation of the world. And so one thing that came up in this message yesterday really was uh, intriguing to me was that she had started talking about a promise uh, a couple, three years back and even longer, but really the ones that were more interesting was the last couple of years. In 2013, she says, I desire to lead you to freedom and the promise of my son. Well, I desire to lead you to the freedom of the promise of my son. Because I desire for God's will to be fulfilled completely. She never says what it is. June 24th, even 1982, she says, Have them wait with patience for the realization of my, of my promise. But that's not the message I'm looking for because that's her. She's telling me like Jesus has a promise. March 2nd, 2014, I'll bring the blessings of the promise. This is the beginning of the year, or toward the end of this year. January 2nd, beginning of the year, she says, I am praying that you, my beloved children, also pray that you may be able to open with pure hearts, pure and humble hearts, to my son and receive the gifts which he has promised you. So this message, she tells us something really big in it. When she says to you, To help me by the means of prayer for those who have not come to know the love of my son. 
And many of those are the ones that's going to persecute and will persecute and I'll persecute. But not only them, those who are in the church, those who are part of Medjugorje, you get it up from all sides once you really start on our lady. But she goes on and says, My son promised me that evil will, will never win. Which was astounding to me. Because this is something we didn't know. We know in the end, yeah, God's going to triumph. We know in the end, our latest victory is going to come. We don't know the casualties. I cringe every time I hear somebody say, well, if God wants it, he'll get it. Not true. He wanted Judas' salvation, he didn't get it. He wanted everybody to die between there, that point to here, to, to make it to heaven, they didn't. People will die today and go to hell. You can't tell me if God wants it, he'll get it. He is handcuffed. He is binded. Uh, what he instituted and given us a free will. And he submits to that. It's amazing for, say, a five-year-old child to get brutally murdered by a man and everything that might go with that. And God watched this innocence be killed and he doesn't stop it. It's really a wonder if you ever meditate on those things. If God could send the angels, he could do these. Why did these things happen? Because people in there have free will. And God would deal with them on the other side of death. And the child on the other side of death. And then this is being martyred. So God doesn't get what he wants. And several times, through the apparitions of the 33 years, I saw where a lady would have quit appearing. Or something was happening that she might quit appearing. And we wasn't responding. Like we said the other day about the messages. I was going to give them Thursday messages to you, but some have responded, so I, can, I will continue to give you messages. So don't think, well, I can just be comfortable, everything's going to work out. Or we're going to have a political savior come along, it's going to work, make things happen. That's God to a lot of people. And they put so much hope on the elections. All the people voted, all the PO voted, all through the saints voted, yes, you have a civic duty. But we're in a time where when that works, it doesn't now. It might help, but everything's up to God. And what God does is up to us. And I pretty sure so that he will. So you have to understand what I said, I need you, you're important. I lady said once, I can do nothing without you. She's binded in the sense that she can't come and straighten the world out. Except through us, Ryan said. Satan hated Jesus, but he got a great victory when he killed him. He got the delight of that. There was some consolation in that for him. Even if he was defeated through it, he could always say, I was defeated, but he was God. And even the Virgin Mary, who will crush his head, he knows scriptures. He hates her. He's in pursuit of her, Revelation says. And don't think we're not living the Bible. This is part of Revelations. But the thing about this part of Revelations is we're living public revelations because this is chapter 12. The woman coming to battle with the dragon. Raising up us. So when she defeats him is where it will happen. That victory is still something Satan can brag about. Well, she was the pure one. But there's no bragging rights for his pride. That if he's defeated by people who are in league with him, who are sinners, who he has captivated sometimes a whole lifetime until the end of their death, 
And we rise up and defeat Satan. Evil will never win. And so our lady is not saving the world. She is saving the world through you, which is the greatest insult to the mightiest creature that's ever been created by God, which is for himself. So you put this in this context, this victory will be pouring salt on the wound of Satan and burning him forever. Because we who are in league with him, he who is captivated this the whole time because the says, come to know the truth. The victory of my heart, which is what's in our heart. Uh, that is why I need, I need you. She can't do it. God has not given her the perimeters of her power to be expanded to come and just clean up the earth. She is binded having to do it with such lowly creatures as us who are thick, hard-hearted, who don't get it, who want it all way, who are greedy, and on and on and on, that we change enough that through us, the world's salvation depends on us. That's why she said during January 25th, a great plan for the salvation of the world, and that you must pray to comprehend what your role is in God's design. And she said in that same message, you will not comprehend the greatness of your robe. We think of ourselves not in a way that's not unhumble, <clears throat> but we can't do this. It's too big for us. And we don't have the capacity to grasp that. We won't know what our role is and the greatness of it till we get it in heaven when we're far gone from the earth. Because you don't know who you'll affect, who'll affect somebody else, who'll affect somebody else. And that third person down the line Maybe somebody in a position that can change everything. Pilate's wife went to him, said, "Has nothing to do with this. The least he got him to do was wash his hands from him. Was that reason of salvation? I don't know, because he was a politician. He was on both sides of the fence. So he was guilty. Most people think, oh, he was washing himself of guilt. He could have stopped it. He didn't go that far. But we do know there are people that have changed. Constantine's mother changed Constantine and opened for the first time and made legal Christianity for 300 years. There were spots where it was legal or it was permitted. But Constantine broke it open. So you, it's said that there's nobody in the world that can't be reached to at least five people. And the more famous they are, it's less people. In other words, if there's somebody in China that you don't know, you'll know somebody that knows the third person, that knows the fourth person, that knows that person in China. It's just five people away. We can't see in the context of how God sees how easy it is to get to the president or to a king or to somebody way away that you never could imagine you could deal with. A rosary came to me from 47 years ago that I saw in a classroom that I never even thought about seeing or even imagined or even thought of any reason for it. It went from one to, from the person original, Sister Christa, to the nun, to Mina. Within three people. So God can do anything. Tell us the story of President hmm? Bush. We was, uh, we went to a, a radio, the Christian Broadcasting Association. We went there when we were going to start Mesonomics. We, we were doing that because we wanted to uh, just learn all the ins and outs. Not Mesonomics, but Radio Wave. So we wanted to do all the ins and outs with that. 
And so it was in Tennessee, and me and uh, Riaz and I went up there, and we were going to the conferences. It's real Protestant, so you got to reject a lot of stuff and how they do their methods. But they got good methods, so you take what's good and discard what's not. Of the Catholic faith and what we were going to do, evangelization. And so the last day, I, mean, I was in the hotel room, and I was reading this little program, and I says, Bush is, President Bush is going to be here. And I thought, this is bizarre. I left the house, and we've got a box of rosaries in our living room, a box in our, in our sunroom, and another in my lobby. And when people come over, we just give the rosaries and pray and put them back in there. And there's some rosaries all the way back to 1988. There was one rosary. Uh, some of them are really beautiful, so we, don't, we keep, try to keep those. And so I opened up the rosary box. I was on the way to get to the airport to go to Tennessee. And or I think we drove the flight closer. But anyway, I was in a hurry and opened the box, and there's a beautiful rosary out there. I said, I don't want to take this rosary with me because I know I'll lose it or something will happen or it'll break. And it's never been out of the house. I'm going to keep it here. Well, I went everywhere. I couldn't find any rosaries. I don't know. My wife had moved the other boxes around or something. I couldn't get it. So I grabbed it. I was really aggravated that I, I, that I took it because it was just against what I normally would do. So I actually lost my rosary, so I couldn't find it. And uh, so we get to Tennessee, and then we read this thing. And then that morning, I wake up. We're planning on going back to the convention center. And... I look in my pocket and I find the rosary I lost. I put on some pair of pants that must have been in there. I got the washing machine around, so I need to wash. I found that. And then I, then I saw that beautiful rosary I'd already picked up. I put it back down on the desk in the hotel room. Some of them are going to take that with me because, you know, it's lucky I got this far. I don't want to break this thing. And then I said, no, why don't I take that? And I said, no, I'll take the other one. You know, you can know, do this thing. So I've got salt and pepper. You get, they're trying to get two across the table. So I did this whole thing. And I said, well, I'll just take the beautiful rosary. I took it with me. So we're in, that, we're in uh, convention center, and Bush is going to speak uh, in, a, in about an hour. So we go in there. There's not that many people there because it was a close thing, and there was probably only 1,000 people which is pretty nice. Maybe not in Dallas, maybe 700 of us going this one hall, small hall. That hope, you know, there's 50 people here, 60 people here. So it's not that many. So it was pretty nice. We said, okay, we'll be in front of the president. So anyway, the Secret Service, they go through, we scan, and we go in and sit down, and we, I'm about 15 rows back. And so he comes in, he's late, and we're trying to do the apparition rosary, and we can't do... That and they purposely delay the president. They say he's going to speak at 10 o'clock and then he comes in 40 minutes later or something like that or whatever. So the time's going and we, you know, this was going to interfere with the apparition rosary and we wanted him to come and go so we could do it. So anyway, we had to start the apparition, uh, we uh, had to start the apparition rosary beforehand because we realized he was going to be there during the apparition time, which we hate doing that. So we do the rosary. And just as soon as we finish the rosary, uh, he comes in and he does his speech. And so he's speaking, and he goes through a really good talk. You know, he's talking more Christian, some of his Christian values, and it's really a good talk. And it's nice to be in that, something intimate like that with someone like the president. And so I'm looking at the clock, and he's getting toward the end of it, and it's toward, headed toward apparition time. And so 
I'd had the rosary in my hand, and he ended the talk and went down over the group over here, all the way down, started shaking people's hands and everything. And so I immediately said, wow, I should give him the rosary. Maybe I can give him this rosary. So I, I, I get up and go, and there's 15 people, 18 people so thick today. I said, it's not going to get that. And that, that pack got so dangerous. And they got their place, and if you even try to move, you know, people looking like, you know, what are you pushing? I'm here first. So he's coming down, and everybody's, he's reaching over, shaking everybody's hands and all this stuff. And he comes on down, and he gets on right there, and, and I realize I'm not going to get through. And so uh, he, he goes on and passes. I said, man, I thought I could give the president this rosary. It's not going to happen. The exit door's like 25 feet over this way. And so... Uh, he passes and everybody starts dispersing. And James Dobson, you know who he is, focused on family. He's on the front row, so there's a lot of big wigs there. And we were the little wigs. <laughs> and so he, he's on the front row right there, and the president stops and talks to him for a few minutes, and he hesitated, which gave that crowd no time, time to break up. And uh, so he walks and talks to James Dobson, but by the time I got to there and then turned that way, I had to go walk right, right where James Dobson was standing. And the president had already left him, and the Secret Service had surrounded him, and he was headed to the exit door. And I run through there, and James Dobson's standing in the way, because he's just chairing in the rail right there. And I look at him, he's this guy's tall, I didn't know he was that tall. I said, okay, I, says, uh, I need to get by. And he goes, like, kind of amused by it, what are you, what are you doing? So I, I was pushing him out of the way, and go over there, and he's stepping outside the exit door. And I holler, Mr. President! <laughs> Mr. President! I'm screaming, reading a lot louder than that. And he turns around and he looks like this. And he waves and says, and he came back. <laughs> and I had the rosary hand, I grabbed his hand. And I, I said, I'm giving this to you with a heart. I want you to use it to keep it with you. And he didn't know what it was, he could feel it. And he just stayed there, stayed, stayed, he opened his hand and looked at it and just stared at me for a couple of seconds. I could see in this look that it meant something. It wasn't just something. I mean, God gave him the grace. I don't know what it was. He said, thank you. And hesitated and walked away. It wasn't just some little, you know, here's a little note. And so, if you could have told me in my home, picking up that rosary, the president is going to get this rosary. It's going to be on Air Force One. Right afterwards, and probably end because it's a beautiful rosary. It's not something he's going to throw away. It could probably end up in the White House on his end table, which I don't know that story. I'd say, how can that be? It's impossible. So I presume Joe said, tell that story because everybody's only five people away. Sometimes it's two or three people. You never know what God does. You be in prayer. You walk with God. You do the plan, and that's what he says. Through you, I need you. And the more you make yourself available, the more you purify your heart, the more you realize you're just a sinner, and the more you realize you're nothing, then everything and something can be used by you, no matter how greatness of who you do with. And we knew the circumstances. The other thing to that is exactly the moment I gave it to him was that first time. So us pre-doing a rosary, everything working out that way, Our Lady wanted this president had this rosary, and to this day, I'm certain he's got that rosary. When Jeff, when um, okay, when, when he was running for president, and then Gore and all challenged it, and then the Supreme Court had to settle who was going to be president. There was a lot going on. You know, we, we waited for what two, two, uh, 
November elections to December for it to happen. Jeb Bush, his wife, Florida's president, his brother, goes down to Guadalupe and consecrate this whole circumstances to Our Lady of Guadalupe, the Catholic. So we know we've got Catholicism in the family. And we know he's been open to Catholicism. We've read stories about that in uh, President Bush Jr. And so they go and do that, and they're praying to Our Lady of Guadalupe, and the Supreme Court settles toward President Bush on December 12th. Our Lady Peace of Americas. Don't tell me. God won't do big things for you. It's just you realize we know somebody who's very big that can do anything through us. If we're a participant, you will change the world. And your world is your goings and comings. Like I wrote on, I wrote this for the site yesterday. Of what is your world? It's, it's what surrounds you. And if one of those persons in your circle changes their world, a lady was told, told Maria that she wants to change the whole world, making a chain around it, one link at a time. And that's the way it works, from the bottom up, not from the president down. She says, you will not have peace through your presence. How can we have peace if we have a warring people, a sinful people? We got the president, we got because who we are. You say, I'm not like him. Yes, you are. While he may be for degraded sins and profane things, we've allowed that through our small sins. And when we get these principles and understand that we've got to be saints, we really got to strive for that. And that's another big thing in this message. <laughs> I am with you. Yeah, I am with you with the blessing of my son, with you who love me, and who strive. To follow me. You're not going to be a perfect follower to me. I'm not. I have failed her. And a poor man guy says something astounding that Mary never betrayed me. Jesus is speaking. He said that everyone, somewhere in their life, will betray me. And when you, I first read that years ago, I said, I won't never do that. But I've done that. I've done that through sin. I've done that through, through not doing something I should have done, I could have done, through omission. The sins of omission. But we don't see that because it illuminates the truth, the fullness of spirituality. And once you see that, you realize what a wretch you are and how much you fail. You have always far more failures than you do victories and follow the spiritual life and become mature. When you understand that, that you can do nothing. There's nothing. Mary used to call herself at the point of man God, Jesus, a worm. I can't get lower than that. If she's a worm, what am I? I'm a negative worm, I used to tell her. I'm that zero, and then through the other side as far as you can go to, to a worm. So next to God, we're nothing. But we are blood. The Muslims, one thing they say we do blasphemy for is because they say, they see Allah is so up there, so huge, that he's untouchable, he's everything in submission. And so we're infidels because we say Jesus is a brother and God is a father. How can we be a son of God himself? That's one of the major differences in us. And so that's difficult for them to swallow. And it also means for someone to become radicalized because we're blaspheming God to say we're his Christ, his brother, and that the father, which they don't accept Christ as a prophet. But that God is our God, we can't be a son of. 
But we're in the family of God, and when you realize Jesus' mother is our mother, he is our brother, God is our father, we're in an important family. We have royal blood. There's something that's part of that that makes us something because God's something. At the same time, you don't treat it another way. You always see yourself as undeserving. So, Our Lady says this because she knows we're not going to always follow her. She's just striving to follow God. There was human necessities that Our Lady had to deal with that kept her from doing some things she even strived for in her life. Yes, she was perfect. She never sinned. But when she's in deep prayer, she's been wanting to go all day. She had chores all day. Little Jesus is needing her attention, running around, maybe crawling or something like that. And then she wants to get in prayer. She She's striving to get to there, and she didn't get to it. And of course, she was in continuous prayer because she had God and He was in front of her. She adored. So we can't put that in the same context we will, but, but our striving is not near with her interruptions and how she, she conquered those interruptions. So our lady knows that, and she says that, that you strive. It's enough to strive. It's not enough to have a good intention and go do it and you never fulfill it. I'm not talking about that. But you strive and you strive and you strive. She understands what you're doing. She says that a second time to reinforce that. My son promised me that evil will never win because you, the souls of the just, are here. You who strive to say your prayers with the heart. What percent, ask yourself, what percent of the time are you not praying your prayers with the heart? What's your betting average? It's pretty tough to always do it to the heart. There's a lot of distractions. And there's no people in the history of the world, in the human race, that has ever had the distractions we have. Distractions we have. Whether you get in the shower, you hear the music in the in the in the house, you you, you get out, the TV's blaring, you get in the car, something's going on. There's billboards, there's radio, there's a cell phone, there's there's this texting, there's. The red, red light's got your attention. You didn't need that so much with horses. Everything in traffic is distracting. The, the, the frustration of traffic. You're in deep prayer. You're coming home. You got the radios off. The cell phones off. It's like cuts in front of you. Nobody had this kind of life before. And so our lady knows. Strive for that. Our lady says, find a corner. Get a little prayer corner, which is an interesting thing. In other words, when you're sitting in the corner, what are you seeing? No, what I see is my, my nose on the chalkboard. <laughs> I don't want to go in the corners. I have enough of that. So our lady, she wants you in the corner because you ain't, you're not seeing anything. You know, it's just you. A lady said in Alabama, in the message, one of the messages, find a time where you can have an encounter with God. And that's how we end up with one hour a day of prayer at 5 a.m. Because that was directly related. There's nothing we do that's not directly related to a message of our lady. And so we have our 5 a.m. prayer is our one time we gather together, the 20th or so out there every morning, no matter what the weather, no matter how difficult it is. And it's normal for us now. We've, so, we've been doing it for 20 26 plus years, every day. If we fly in or I come out of town at 2 a.m., 
I'm back at 4.30, no matter if I didn't have three nights sleep the day before that. We got to walk all night and walk straight out to the field to do our 5 a.m. prayer. And we don't sit down and kneel down. We have to stand up. Because sometimes when those kinds of things, we've already lost three or four days worth of sleep. Or you'll fall asleep. We've literally fallen asleep standing up. You say, that's hard. Well, our lady demands something of us. On February 25th, 1988, sacrifice your life for the salvation of the world. Many saints never heard those words. Many saints were never asked that so directly from heaven. And so there's no greater sacrifice, nothing you can do is that great. We just was preparing, this is not released, we're releasing it, we're supposed to release it this afternoon. Uh, four weeks ago. Is anybody here who was with us? John Malone. Huh? John was. John Malone. John Malone. He was there. He flew into Canada. We had just a few people had come in for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross, September 14th. <clears throat> and we worked and prepared for it. It wasn't anything that we were going to do publicly. Uh, it was just something that came up and we worked. And we had tore out our whole kitchen. We had to redo it. We were in the middle of retooling. We had to clean everything up. And we were we were dead. What day did you come in? Did you come in for a story? Yeah. Well, you didn't see what the wreck was. I mean, everything was a wreck. Everything. So we went to sleep, praying for our lady, um, everything in our attention and all this stuff. And, Offer it up to her because she always wants you to pray everything you do. Sacrifice your life for the salvation world. So we're doing this. And Maria came in privately, secretly. It's released today. It's called a secret. It's seven apparitions and it was awesome. And it was a very moving five days or seven days with our lady. Uh, we had to keep it quiet because if it didn't, it would be 10,000 people there. And we wasn't ready to do nothing public at this point. We were in the middle of retooling and a lot of other factors. So uh, Maria's actually wanting to come. So I won't tell you the whole story, but one thing I will tell you is our lady uh, did some remarkable things with us. And one thing she did was one night at 7 o'clock in the house, she says, tomorrow I'll be at 9 a.m. in the morning. Which I asked Maria, 9, 9 o'clock in the morning? And she says, it's only community. There were some people there, from the, not from the community, like John, is extended, you're extended, right? Yeah. But just CLC1, which is Community Caritas 1, which we who live on the site. So she said, only the community in the bedroom. So they went to the tree that morning. And we didn't, sometimes already does that, so we don't, it's not something that's not, we haven't seen in the past. She'll close the apparition only for us. And we go in there, it's beautiful, and she doesn't always give a message or same thing. Our lady ain't getting any kind of message up to those, those apparitions, so... Uh, three or four days. Uh, and so we go in the bedroom and there's a long apparition and Maria comes out. Usually she, she will do the, the Magnificat at the end of the apparition and the Glory Immediately after the apparition, Maria turns to me and she says, give me some paper, give me some paper. So her and I walk out. So we knew there was a message. And we were, we were shocked. We didn't expect to get that. And, and she, the fact that she wanted specifically for COC1, the community there, uh, we knew it was directed to us. The fact that she didn't exclude people, she just, this is how sometimes she does. 
So I made it even more special. So we go in the library and we're writing it down. We had, I had everybody do the 777. And then uh, Maria comes to the door and she's standing there, but still playing 777. If you've been at the bedroom, you know, there's kind of a small French, two French doors there. And Maria's standing with a piece of paper. And she goes, because <coughs> I kept playing. Then I realized she said, stop me. And I stopped and sat down. And these moments are so extraordinary for your, your history of walking with Our Lady. It's things you won't forget. You won't, there's just things that time, like your memory come back. We've had these in the past many times. Uh, our Lady's given messages. Our Lady's done things nowhere else outside of magical area, with any divisioners. And Maria recognizes that. So, anyway, she reads the message and she says, she starts the message today which was a little bit unusual. And it was a marked thing that she wanted us to say today. I want you to listen to what I'm saying to you today. Then she says today, and she double emphasizes that today by saying, I desire. It wasn't prompted by me asking Maria a question, ask a lady, and she gave us an answer. It wasn't prompted by something else or some other external forces or something that we had to deal with. She says, today, I desire. And then she says, to thank you for all your offerings and prayers for my intentions. Where's the cry? Because she doesn't see this. She may see it for a whole crowd or something like that, but she, she doesn't see this. So she broke down. She, she actually got choked up, but she stopped for a moment because she knew this was extraordinary. Today, I desire to thank you for all your prayers and your, or all your offering and your prayers. Sacrifices. I'm sorry, it's a sacrifice. Sacrifices, which is bigger, not offerings. I desire to thank you for all your sacrifices and prayers for my intentions. Who are we that the mother of God could come to us and say thank you? We're just doing our duty. We didn't do anything extraordinary. We only do what we owe. We've been given so much from our mother that it's the only thing we can do. And then she added these words, which is really just as extraordinary. She says, she says, I give you my motherly special blessing. She blessed the people in the field differently. She gave them the regular blessing. You might think that's a short message. No, that's a big, big message. It's a long message. Our lady doesn't do this. So very few people walk through their life knowing what they're doing in their work and their sacrifices. What we've done for two or three weeks intensively and two or three months before that just to get ready for this. Because we're revamping the tabernacle. We had to pull everything back out and get it set just for the small meeting we had. So we've got the cognition, we've got the experience that if you pray, if you sacrifice, our lady's paying attention to that. Don't think it's wasted. And don't think it's doing it because we're just special. We don't see that. We know our lady's putting us through things to show and give a window to the future a hundred years from now that when you do this, our lady desires to thank you. And this is in our heart, and you know you can do it, and it's tangible, even though that person will be over, that they can have the cognition of our cognitions that we lived our life, we lived the suffering, 
that she lived through us, that they can look at us and our lives and that they're suffering and difficulties. So it's going to be released today. They've been back and forth with us. So busy we couldn't even put the whole thing together. It's a real long read, but it goes through the whole seven, seven days. And it's beautiful. Very beautiful. We've done things with our lady no people have been able to do with her. And, and I can't say that because we are special. We deserve something. Or we're better. We're worse. We've had the mother of God. That makes you worse and more accountable in that sense. Because you might get off for heavier things that you might do, but a lot of the things we do, we know better. We've, we've had a lady. But when you're going down to Florida and you're on the road and you've got about seven cars and the whole community with two, only two new people there, two, two downs and one carry times were shut down for that week. And we got Maria with us and we thought we'd make it to the beach house for the week we're going to be at. An isolated place. Nobody's around. And you realize apparition time is coming up on you. And we get right on the beach just as you get when you're still four or five miles from the house. And you stop that caravan, pull everybody off the side of the road, run over a rock seawall, and get on the beach, and drop to your knees, the sun setting, and do the last decade of the rosary, you did the other four in the car, and then you, some of the kids almost got hurt jumping over the wall, and we go on our knees, and the mother of God appears, and she says to us at the end of that apparition, we're smile, she says, now he says, now that you're on vacation, when you pray, I will come. And I tell you, to spend a week on vacation with a lady where you don't have to have a time you've got to meet, that you can come in and prepare for two to three hours, and we were doing that. The girl, was it just prayer? We were breaking the law and going to pick a sea oats and making bases for that for a lady. We figured for the mother of God we could do that. The kids, the, the girls were braiding their hair, they were putting ribbons in it. We'd come in at 12 o'clock when it was too hot on the beach and, and be that hot time from 12 to 3. Just pray and just leisurely walk right into the apparition. And it was beautiful. And the apparition all they gave us was incredible. How many people have seen the cosmos in the field that we planted years ago? There's, there's millions of flowers. At least three, at least hundreds of thousands. I mean, it's cosmos flowers are beautiful. Our lady appeared on August 15th. We were together in the beach house. And she came with, with angels, as many as the cosmos in the field, Maria said. Everywhere, big ones, little ones, all, and a great expense of heaven. I've never been that even here. It's happened here only once or so. And that wasn't all. There were several messages that I gave, but, but just, that was an incredible vacation. And so we took Maria's kids. We were going to SeaWorld, and we'd been there all day, and we're going to come back. Oh, that wasn't on that trip. That was another vacation. We just took Maria down, but this is the, the humor of our lady is beautiful. But uh, how old was, was Joshua? Joshua at the time? <coughs> 10, 12, 12 years old. So we're all in a white van, Maria's kids, and Shu, uh, Shamu. Shamu. Shamu's going to do something special at 10 o'clock. So we're there, and we're there all day, and Maria, the, our lady told Maria the night before she was going to have that for 10 o'clock. And so SeaWorld closes at 10 o'clock, but they stay open until 10.30, and Shamu does a special thing just for the guests that want to stay after that. If you've ever been there, you can't think nothing but God. I mean, they, they, you will Marie the first time she saw it. This is the second time she cried. It, it's so incredible. You see God's genius in these animals. So anyway, we go there, and we pull up, and we know 
uh, we can't get in. It's going to be impossible. The kids were just disappointed we were going to leave in the next day. So that was the last time we had the ticket to be in, in Seawall. So we're there, and we're in the white van, and we park in the parking lot. And so we're going to start the rosary, and we know she's not going to appear until 10 o'clock. And so we just are there early. We're there like 9. Uh, we're going to start the rosary at 9.30. Or 9, 9, 9.40, I think it was. So the rosary end right at 10 o'clock. And hopefully, maybe they'll let us in the gate. But they're real strict about that. We think it's just not going to happen. So we, we start doing the rosary. Maria's in the van, and we're praying the rosary. We get to the first decade, and it's like quarter to ten, and Maria quits praying the rosary, and we're still praying, because we're not expecting anything. And one person in the middle says, Maria's not praying. Maria's in agency. Our lady appeared, and we all stopped one by one, like, our lady's appearing. We couldn't believe it. And so our lady disappears, and my son, Joshua, 12 years old, he says, she's so cool. <laughs> and the door broke open always, and everybody ran in there across the parking lot and got in to go see Shemaria. <laughs> we were stunned. And Joshua was right. She's so cool. That she would be in heaven, and even what she said the night before, to show that she's ready to accommodate you. She would do things that you can't even imagine. This may be a, a, a strange story, but Our Lady, I'm sure, has strange stories with Jesus and things that happened when she was in communion with God praying and the Holy Spirit. She's entered into our family's life. She's entered into Maria's family's life. She's entered into our community in an intimate way. That she's showing you, I'm not this granddaughter's our mother. I am your mother. She said this one time, if you ever need me, Call me, and I will come immediately. And I believe that message because I've done that, and she's done it. <coughs> and don't think she won't do it for you. She will do this. A lady is here to make an intimate relationship with us. She wants to know the intimacy, that you know it in a way. She said scripture verses she repeated from 2,000 years ago in such a beautiful, simple way. Jesus told me, I'm the mother of the world. You know, she's not saying cocky or arrogant, but just the way she did it brought those scriptures of woman, behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. She brought it down in such a beautiful way that she was having conversations with Jesus at the cross. We don't even know what scripture said. You don't think she was talking to him? You don't think she was there? You think scriptures recorded every single thing? John says if we record what Jesus did, it would fill up all the, all the books in the world. And more. So certainly, we don't have only a conversation between Our Lady and Jesus at the cross. He was alive on the cross for three hours. It wasn't just saying there, well, let's get this over with. So these little revelations about public relations are an important thing. And there's a real big distinction between private revelations and public revelations. Is that public revelations are over. What's not over is what the public revelations say. And so these public revelations that's happening are public revelations coming to life. We are in the midst of this woman, clothed with the sun, moon on her feet, 
12 stars about our heads. And that's how Yvonne sees her. She leaves in the light of the sun. And the, and the sun, they see her 12 stars about her heads. She's clothed with radiance. On her feast days, it's not the gray dress that she wears. It's one of gold, but it's not changed. It's from her body. They see her body radiating out gold, changes her dress. How about you women like that? <laughs> you have to find out. <laughs> so these things are very beautiful. And I also have a very practical side of life that Our Lady accommodates. It's just amazing. And so you can look at the people and people can look at you because through your spirituality that grows to be illuminated to toward truth because no matter where you get, you're never going to have the full truth. We're always searching for truth. You're going to be shocked at how much you'll grow from this point to next year in truth and things that you don't see now that you think is true is not true. And truth is hated. I don't care if it's about science. I don't care if it's about medicine or about you professing something in your life by your life witness. People hate truth. The culture hates truth. Even other Christians do. And the more you go and align yourself to truth, the more you'll have difficulties. Dr. Lister, he's in Paris. He sees in the uh, 1800s all the garbage across Paris. They start putting carbolic acid on it. The carbolic acid makes the snow goes away. He starts reasoning this out. This man must have been prayerful. He started thinking about things. And what if we started cleaning up the hospitals? What if we started washing the utensils? What if we started changing the sheets after operation instead of bringing the next patient, laying them in the blood of the preceding three or four or five patients? He did that. He started demanding that the nurses clean their hands and keep clean. He had a hard time making them do it. They didn't want to do it. He forced this. His mortality rate just for the birthing of mothers dropped like a rock. Dramatically. Remarkably. You know what the other doctors start doing? They start persecuting him. Mm -hmm. They got jealous. And they said he was crazy. And they actually expelled him out of the hospital. And his whole lifetime, he improved that because it's more dangerous to go to the hospital in those days than not to go. Your chances of dying were greater once you went there. Things are so nasty and unclean. They had no concept of microbes. They had no concept of cells. He discovered this through prayer, through truth. I can't talk about his prayer life. I can tell you one thing you use from him all the time is Listerine. Dr. Lister, that's where it comes from. So this doctor never got recognition of this except toward the end of his life. And it wasn't him, it wasn't what he did, is the world despises truth. In the 1500s, a guy was born, a guy was raising cattle. He read the Bible a lot. He saw on the, cow, on the calf when it was born, the hair on his back right here. The more, the way it swirled and how big it was would say it's future about how much uh, butterfat it would have. Uh, what kind of mother it could be. He could read this stuff. He wrote a book. We've got a copy of it. It's 400 years old. And it's incredible. God puts a blueprint on a calf the first two years of his, or first two days of his life and then it goes away. There's a guy that does this and he showed this to us. We were shocked. Uh, Randy Owens from the group Alabama did the first grass fest in Montgomery, Alabama. 
They bring in the power, they bring in the computers, they, they say how much marble he's got, he's got all this. They would watch that out. This guy comes in with the measuring tape, he starts measuring, he looks at the, the, the calf and all this stuff, and reads just what the computer just said. He says, this is biblical. We've got so much truth out there that we have lost from the herbs to everything. And I don't want to say go be radical because people go radical and they go overboard on that stuff. The point I'm making in saying all these things is one thing. Truth is hated because truth is what? Are they told us? God is truth. Everything of God, the way He made it, the way He designed it, if you get into that, then you'll connect with God. But with God, if, you, if you've been raised around rosary, we had one of the 14-year-old girls go out, because we, there was a time we didn't go out anywhere. Our life was so busy in the mission, that they had to go to something happened in the family, so they went back to Wisconsin. They stopped at park to pray the rosary, and Annie looks up. She's probably, how old was she then? 12 or 13? Huh? 12 or 13. She looks up, and everybody's walking around. And she's just looking at this, and she turns to her mom and she says, why aren't they saying the rosary? Her whole world was the rosary every day. She didn't know nobody else was doing the rosary at that time outside of the community. She thought the whole world stopped. And you tell me that's backwards? You tell me that's ignorant? No, I tell you, that's beautiful. Can you imagine raising a kid that long, that, that, to that age, thinking that the whole world stops and prays the rosary? What innocence, what beauty. Because that's so ingrained, it's part of her life. She just takes it. Everybody does that. There comes a time when kids grow up, they start seeing the violence of adults. Being holy doesn't mean it's always everything is so serious, so dire. Our rosary at the field is one of the most beautiful times of the day. So filled with joy, joy and, and fun. You know, sometimes it's a burden because we've been working, but... What the kids do, and then how it's, it's not a contemplative prayer. It's not even necessary a reverent prayer in the sense of what you think. It's life. And if a kid in a ghetto can be raised around his environment and be affected by it, what about children being raised every day, whether it's rain, cold, whatever the temperature, whatever's happening, storms, hurricane, I mean, we're out there and the trees about to all blow over. How can that child not be affected by raised in, in the rosary? And so, prayer affects. But it's not like Ivan, Ivan said, well, they asked him a question about holiness. He says, holiness is not what you think it is. He says, it's, it's not this running around like that. And, and he says, it's not the way God sees holiness and the way you see holiness is a, a totally different thing. We think of the saints and just levitate and all that. It's nothing like that. The holiness is real simple. It's just doing God's will. If you do God's will, not his passive will, you live for his will, you're doing, you're doing God's, God's, you're holy. It's, it's simple, it's not complex. So don't think around, you got to run around and, and give an appearance. In fact, it's better not to give an appearance. It's better to have it inwardly. And people will feel it. And they'll come to you. They want to talk to you. They want, they want what you have. And we have Our Lady. We've had her in such an intimate way. People constantly after us about seeking different things or whatever. And that was a friend of Medjugorje speaking to the Caritas Pilgrimage Group in Medjugorje, speaking about Our Lady's message that she gave yesterday through Mariana. 
And uh, certainly at this point uh, in the point of the broadcast, it's certainly appropriate and fitting that we should mention the Caritas pilgrimages. Uh, this is the Caritas has the longest running pilgrimages from uh, North America to Medjugorje. And a friend of Medjugorje founded uh, BVM Caritas pilgrimages back in 1986. And the purpose of the pilgrimage was to for people to have a real true spiritual encounter with God. Uh, we're not a tourist group. Uh, we're not a vacation group. Uh, Caritas BVM pilgrimages is a, a true pilgrimage to Medjugorje. And for those of you who are feeling the call to go to Medjugorje, now is certainly the time to go and to answer that call. You can contact Caritas pilgrimages uh, in the U.S. at 205-672-2000. Again, 205-672-2000. And after hours, you can dial to extension 218 or 219, and a Caritas representative can speak to you about any issues or concerns that you might have or questions that you might have regarding a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Uh, for those of you that may have gone already to Medjugorje with another pilgrimage group, certainly encourage you to join on a, your next pilgrimage on the BVM Caritas pilgrimage to Medjugorje. It will certainly change your life, and it will be an experience unlike anything that you've ever experienced before. Uh, you can also go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, and uh, click on Medjugorje pilgrimages. There is a wealth of information there about our pilgrimages to Medjugorje and about uh, your spiritually preparing for that time to be in Our Lady's Village. And so uh, we leave you with these few thoughts and certainly encourage you in this time of grace to continue to follow Our Lady, to continue to follow her messages, and to put into practice what a friend of Medjugorje has so plainly laid out before us in uh, living Our Lady's messages in a practical way. And so on behalf of a friend of Medjugorje, Caritas of Birmingham, the community of Caritas, Medjugorje.com and Radio Wave, we wish you Our Lady, we love you, good night. This ends the Radio Wave Show with a friend of Medjugorje. To listen or download free, go to medj.com, spelled M-E-J dot com. Go to the left-hand menu, Radio Wave, and click on Past Shows. You can also order this show on CD by contacting Caritas in the U.S. at 205-672-2000.
Again, 205-672-2000. Thank you for listening.